what we found is a big sound in a small town. Far from the bright lights, they're making music every night. Hear what is all around, it's a big sound in a small town. It's a big sound in a small town. It's a big sound in a small town. Hi, and welcome to Big Sound Small Town. I'm your host, Sandy Carlton, and this is a podcast about the lives and stories of the musicians, writers, artists, and their associates that have their roots in the small towns and communities across America. If you like what you hear, tell somebody. Enjoy. Make a laugh on the fiddle and stay. 
the floor, spun me around and said you're done. I begged him to tell me more, what happened to the wayward son. All right, we're good. Hey, everybody. My name is Becky Bowler. I'm a fiddler, singer, and songwriter. Uh, from Originally from St. James, Minnesota, now living in Manchester, Tennessee. Well, that's great, Becky. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Uh, seemingly, um, well, wait, how did you get from Minnesota to Nashville? <laughs> well, uh got here by way of East Tennessee State University ah. in Johnson City, Tennessee. Okay. Well, that's good to know. See, that's something that I think is uh, missing that people do not know. So, uh, all right. 2020 has been a tough year for everyone, particularly in the music industry. But somehow you seem to um, thrive and, and <laughs> be real, really successful this year. You want to oh, ta talk about 2020? It's completely the grace of God. Um, I give him all the glory. Um, it's, um, it's been a different sort of year. It's been a year of incredible highs and incredible lows. Um, I got to uh, sit in with the First Ladies of Bluegrass, um, uh, uh, backing up Steve Martin during uh, a run of his, his and Martin Short's uh, comedy shows down in Florida back in January. And um, uh, got to play some shows with my band up till March, and then everything went crazy. Mm. And um, I've been home, I've been teaching, I've been writing, uh, released a new record in the midst of this. But um, but it's it's all been it. It might look slick on the outside, but on the inside, it's been just as crazy for me and my family as it has everyone else. I'm I'm sure, but you you have seemed to. Um have a very successful year. I mean, the record, uh, you want to promote it a little bit? It's uh, Yeah. 
the distance and time you want to talk about that a little bit yeah absolutely it's a brand new record uh it's called distance and time we chose that title before the world shut down i swanny to goodness <laughs> we really did uh it's completely providential that that we chose that title it's a line from the song we let each other go this is my third album on dark shadow recording and I'm proud to be working with those folks out of Goodlitzville, Tennessee, Stephen Mojan, Yana Mojan, really great people. Um, and it's doing pretty well on the charts. You haven't really spoke about that. Oh, yeah, it, it is. It debuted on the Billboard Bluegrass chart at number nine. So we're yeah. really proud of that. And I've seen that there's singles released from it doing really well also. Yes. Really grateful for that, um, especially the song "More Heart, Less Attack." That's gotten a lot of airplay. And it's such a timely message for right now because we're so divided. And it's a song about being a peacemaker and and bringing light and hope and life and love to your communities. Well, we need and more I messages just, like that. We, so. we we do we do. So that's a need to breathe cover that we did on the new album. I hope you'll check it out. Oh, I will. I actually have. I hope everyone that's listening will check it out. Um, yeah, it's, uh, where did you record that at? We recorded it at Dark Shadow Recording in Goodlitzville, Tennessee. Okay. I, I didn't know if that was something you guys did from home or... Oh, wait, you would have had that done, though, before... Um, you didn't do that during this. It was already... You had already recorded it before COVID, right? <laughs> We did, yes. That's great. Yeah, we we I, we I we cut the last track for the record, which was uh, my cover of Woodstock, Joni Mitchell's song sure. Woodstock, and and uh, it was myself and Jerry Douglas on that cut. Jerry, of course, playing dobro, and I'm playing clawhammer, banjo, and, and hollering. Um, <laughs> and uh, we we cut that the day before the world shut down. Wow, that's just. You know, there is some providence to this, or divine intervention, maybe, um, that that you were able to do this during this time. Uh, I was going to ask you, did you use your band on the... Um... We did, yes. We used my band on the bulk of the record, although we've got a lot of special guests. Um, my, my band is doing you know, most of the heavy lifting on the album. We've also got uh, the Fairfield Four came in and sang uh, Tell the Truth, Shame the Devil with us. Yep. And uh, uh, the song Salt and Light includes beautiful harmonies by the Isaacs. Uh, Melanie Cannon came in to sing on We Let Each Other Go. And Ronnie Bowman sang a duet with me on uh, a song called You Come Around. So that was really fun. 16-year-old me was freaking out. <laughs> and she, she got to sing with Ronnie Bowman. Nice. <laughs> and, and then, of course, the Barber's Fiddle, which uh, yep. that just won the 20, 2020 Collaborative Recording of the Year from the IBMA. And uh, that features my band along with, and, and we have 18 total fiddlers on that track. I have listened. It is. It's, it's really incredible. Um, and I'd like to <laughs> say that your band is pretty incredible also. Thank you. Yes, they are. And they're good guys on top of that. And they're so funny. And they make my job easy and they keep me laughing. And uh, so uh, can I mention who's in my band? Oh, uh, most definitely. Sure. So that's uh, Ned Luberecki on the banjo. And he's your 2018 IBMA Banjo Player of the Year. We're so proud of him for that. Um, Professor Dan Boner, head of the East Tennessee State University Bluegrass Old Time and Country Music Program. He plays guitar with me. And Nate Lee on the mandolin. Nate's a 2015 IBMA Momentum Award winner. And then we've got Daniel Harden on the bass. Mm -hmm. And uh, Daniel 
by day, he works at Jack Daniels in his hometown of Lynchburg, Tennessee. He's in the bottling plant there. Uh, but by night, they let him out to play music with us sometimes, and so we really appreciate that. That is too cool. I think, of course, well, that was one of the things I live in Shelby, North Carolina, which is banjo town. And everybody said, please ask about her banjo player. So this is Cleveland yeah. County. <laughs> so. Yeah, Ned, Ned is, um, he's incredible. He's uh, hes my favorite banjo player. Uh, he really is because he can do anything. He can play really progressive stuff and really traditional stuff, whatever the song needs. He can do it. And he's also an incredible teacher. He does a lot of private lessons, a lot of workshops. He wrote a curriculum for Alfred Music Publishing. And he also works with True Fire uh, to do a video series. He's sure. about to head down and do some more videos for them down in Florida coming up in a couple weeks. So uh, he's got lots of wonderful instructional material out there. And he's a fantastic DJ. Um, he's one of our favorite voices on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Oh, that's really cool. All right, for all you... Cleveland County banjo people wondering, there's the story that you've been asking about. Um, yeah, you know, this is run out of the Earl Scruggs Center. Um, I know, so, and so. that, you know, I am so proud that my, my banjo and my fiddle are pictured in the Earl Scruggs Center. I was Center. going with that, yes. What? Yes, they're, they're part of that interactive table right. that you, you come in and you can... You can be part of a jam session. Well, if you choose claw hammer banjo, that's me, and and if you choose fiddle, that's me. And 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 they've got some beautiful pictures of my instruments in there, and I'm just so proud of that. I got to do that while I was working with Darren and Brooke Aldridge. Oh yeah, while we're on that, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I, so in 2012, I was um, I, I I I took a break. I, I had played with Valerie Smith and Liberty Pike for 10 years, from 2001 to 2011. And um, and had got got married in in 2009 and kept touring, but then it got to the point where Jeff and I were hoping we could have kids, and and so I took a break from touring for a very short time, um, and and ended up you know um, we were, we were able to have Romy, uh, our daughter. She's seven years old now, but um, when I was pregnant with her, <laughs> Darren and Brooke uh, needed somebody to fill in on the fiddle. And I, I said, well, I'll fill in with y'all. And they're like, well, you just want the job. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant and kind of out of my mind. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and, and I say out of my mind only because it was a long way to Cherryville, North Carolina, yeah, it is. Manchester, Tennessee. It was, it is a long way. And, and, uh, you know, you're supposed to like, have a baby and get off the road. Right. But right. I, I didn't do that. Um, but anyway, I enjoyed, I, I want that to be very clear. I enjoyed playing music with Darren and Brooke and singing with them, especially it was so much fun because they're so good. They are talented. So, um, so I spent about two seasons with them and then I, I did this record. Uh, I did the tween earth and sky record for mm -hmm. dark shadow recording. And, and then my daughter started walking and my husband said, we, we've got to, do something different here because it, we just we just you can't be running in North Carolina every other weekend sure. it's just too much for us you, you need to make your own schedule and so that's when I got painted into a corner and had to start my own band yeah. <laughs> well I mean it, um, obviously it was a I, good decision I, I, it, it was and I'm grateful now but you know I was avoiding it because of all the stress uh, that I knew was associated with leading a band sure and, it is. and I didn't feel like I could do it like I, that I was up for the task or that I would hold up. Um, 
but you know, I, again, I'm just grateful that God has sent some really awesome people to play in my band, uh, uh, over the past five years. And, um, they've made my job easy and, um, I'm grateful to them for that. And I've enjoyed it very much. And I'm glad that folks are enjoying it too, uh, what we do and, um, really, really appreciate getting to do what we do. Yeah. We always thought that, um, Darren was the luckiest guy in the world when he landed you. We were like, what? So, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, we thought probably he might've done something like, um, tied you up and threw him, threw you in the trunk and brought you. So I I don't know, (laughs) but, uh, you know, uh, but no, that I'm, I'm sure that was a good, a good time. Darren is, um, kind of getting like Doyle Lawson in the fact that he seems to be, uh, growing good musicians and sending them out in the world. Yeah. Well, and he's, and he's an educator too. You know, he, he, I don't know if he's still teaching a lot of lessons, but I know he was. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think he still does. He's got a heart for that. He actually leads, um, uh, workshops for, uh, the youth in the area in, through the Earl Scruggs center too. Sometimes. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, he's, he okay. does pretty good with that. Well, all right. Let's get, you want to talk about the IBMAs? Sure. I mean, you only have like um, 100 awards, right? <laughs> Not quite 10. I've got 10 of them now. And I'm grateful for each one of them and, and, and humbled. There's still a part of me that that is like, this can't be happening, <laughs> you know, well, because because for so long I've idolized the people that win these awards and it's just surreal to me to be in amongst them. Well, you know, your awards are, are kind of varied too. I mean, you want to, when did you get your first one? Um, the first one was with the, with the daughters of bluegrass back in 2006. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was for, let's see what, you know, let me look. I'm sitting right here in my music room. I've got to look. It, uh, I can't remember which album that was. Off the top. Uh, Back to the Well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and so that was the first one you won? Yes. But then they kind of started rolling in, like 2015 was huge, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, 2015 was, was, was pretty big. That was um, songwriter yeah. and uh, emerging artist yeah. and... And uh, recorded event of the year for Southern Flavor. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot in one year. Yes, yeah. And they're and they're different. They're different type of things. I mean, you know. Well, and and 2016 was even bigger because um, I I won uh, female vocalist and fiddler of the year, and I'm the only person to ever win in both vocal and instrumental categories, and the first female to ever win fiddle player of the year, which blows my mind because. You know, I'm I'm standing on the shoulders of people like Allison Krauss and Lori Lewis. Oh and I yeah. I can't believe that they never that they didn't win that award long ago. Well, I will tell you that um, at this moment, the world has a lot of good young female fiddle players. Oh yeah. I mean, I I see. Truthfully, I see more good female fiddle players these days than I do male fiddle players. I, I don't, so <laughs> yeah, I, there's some good ones coming up. Bronwyn Keith Hines, Ainsley Porchek, sure. uh, Laura, Laura Orshaw, who's the first women woman to ever win the Spigma fiddle player of the year award. Right. She's the reigning, reigning fiddler there. Um, Deanie Richardson. I was Deanie, so proud yeah. that she, 
that she won the fiddle player of the year from the IBMA this year. She's a monster fiddler. She is. She mm-hmm. she really is. Well, now, um, then, let's see, this year was pretty good to you, too, right? Yeah, so this year uh, we won collaborative recording of the year for the Barber's Fiddle. Yeah. Um, and, and then I also was involved in the Song of the Year Award. Uh, I co-wrote the Song of the Year um, Chicago Barn Dance with Missy Rains and Allison Brown. Of course, it was recorded by Special Consensus. Right. And uh, so that... Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. I would say it has. I, I, okay, now while we're on, which of the which of those are you most proud of being songwriter, oh. female vocalist, or fiddle player? Or, oh, I mean, my gosh, you're gonna make me choose. I, I don't know if I can choose. Um, It that, is hard. That, that, that is hard. But, I, I mean, I mean, the, the fact of the year, the year, I guess, uh, would probably have to be um, 2015, that 2016, maybe, that you're the most proud of. I don't know. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 2016 was the most, you know, historic of all right, of, the, right. uh, of the awards. So I, I guess we'll go with those two awards. Can I, can I pick two? Sure, you can pick two. <laughs> Fiddler and female vocalist. And, and so, so I, I'm, I'm me, and um, and I, I feel like I've I've got to really live up to that fiddle award, you know, um, which is crazy, but it's just just how I am. And and when it happened, my husband. So so I'm I'm a huge fan of Stuart Duncan, <laughs> who's not, who, has, who not. has won that award many many times, you many. know. And and my husband, for, when I told him what happened, because he couldn't be there with me that night, he 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 said. Well, Stuart Duncan never got female vocalist of the year. <laughs> see, that's a, that, see, you have something over him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's that's great. Um, I, I mean, has anyone won female vocalist of the year uh, since she did that and uh, the fiddle, other than Brooke? <laughs> um. No, well, no, let's see. Brooke has won it the last three years. Yeah. I'm so proud for her. She has such a beautiful voice. And it's just really great to see them getting the recognition that they are. And uh, they're getting to play the Opry a whole bunch. They do, yeah. I hope, I hope they get to become members. I do, too. Well, I, I think they're going back this weekend, actually. Mm-hmm. So they, they do play there a lot. Okay, okay then take, take me through the journey to from being a child in Minnesota to um, basically a bluegrass superstar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, uh, my, my parents first heard bluegrass music when I was about five years old. We went to uh, an event called the Butterfield Threshing Bee in Butterfield, Minnesota. <laughs> and um, there was a man on the board, his name, uh, the board of the Threshing Bee, his name was Bing Hansen, and he was a bluegrass fan. And he uh, got them to include bluegrass music at this threshing bee, uh-huh. and does it, uh, do I need to explain what a threshing bee oh, is? Oh yes, we have you do. <laughs> down here, okay. So I'm from the Upper Midwest, and um, you know, a threshing bee was when these big the the big threshing equipment come, came in, and they would they would thresh the wheat, um, and and then they would move on to the next next farm and do that for them. And and, and, and anyway, it's just a celebration of old timey farm equipment and and uh, 
um, you know, the yesteryear. Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, okay, so they had a, like, they had a little kind of pioneer village there, and they had demonstrations and making ice cream with an old steam engine and, and all this old threshing equipment, um, these big steam engines and, um, you know, there was a petting zoo and just anyway all this stuff and then there was bluegrass music so my dad heard the mandolin and he fell in love with it and uh, ended up getting mandolin lessons my mom played guitar already so they they joined another couple Gordian Roxy Schultz and they started a band called Prairie Grass and they had that band until I graduated from high school wow and I wanted to sing with them um and they said you have to play something because this is a bluegrass band that's how it works everybody plays something (laughs) so I said okay you don't have a fiddle. I will play fiddle. Get me fiddle lessons. And they're like, yeah, right. Okay, whatever. And and they, they were also paying um, for piano lessons for me at that time. Um, looking back now, and, and, you know, they told me a little bit more about what their finances were like at that point. It wasn't great. And, but somehow they always found money for lessons, for music lessons. So I took piano for 10 years. I took fiddle for, um, or I took violin lessons for about eight years in yeah. there too yeah i'm sure there's not a lot of uh, minnesota uh violin or i mean minnesota fiddlers <laughs> well yeah especially in my area because i grew up two hours southwest of minneapolis st paul oh so, it's in the middle like, of nowhere way, way out in the booties yeah you had to drive about an hour in any direction to find another bluegrass musician it was always p- people that my parents age or older i'm sure um so it wasn't until i was about 16 that and i got to go to a uh the the uh, Minnesota Bluegrass Old Time Music Association's festival, their summer festival, and I met some kids from the Twin Cities that were my age that played, and that really cemented me in pursuing the music. And um, so, um, but let's see, I, I, I did Suzuki Method Violin. I took from Patty Trias in Mankato, Minnesota, and then after I, I went as far as I could with her, and then I took a couple years of lessons with Charles Gray at St. Olaf College. If anybody's watched the Golden Girls, you've heard about St. Olaf College (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in Northville, Minnesota. And I was in orchestra, uh, but my heart was really in the fiddling. That's really what I wanted to do. And so, so Patty, my first teacher would, would teach me some fiddle tunes on the side because she knew that's what I really wanted to do. And then I also picked up a lot of stuff off of records. And, uh, and Suzuki method emphasizes ear training which is so good, and you, you've got to have that as a bluegrass fiddler. You've got to be able to hear stuff and pick it up quickly and then improvise on it, which is another skill. You know, I just feel so blessed that I learned both the fiddle and the violin together. Oh, oh like I think both, that is both, really important. Both disciplines at the same time. And I, and it, I think it, I know it helps me now as I'm trying to teach other people. Sure, there's a local fiddle player here with a pretty successful band, and he, what he did is he told um, his band director, I'll, I'll play violin, but you have to teach me um, uh, fiddle tunes. And the devil went down to Georgia for me to stay in the, in the orchestra. Or I'm out of here. Of course. You know? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it did. I mean, and, you know, he went through, he threw the, his, all of high school, all middle school playing in the orchestra. But then he was fiddling on the side, too. Yeah. So it's pretty important, I think, to get. Also, one of the things I see that you had, which is vitally important to musicians, is parental support. Oh, completely. Yeah. Um, I 
I found out um, that that my dad um, had really wanted wanted piano lessons as a kid, and his parents wouldn't get them for him because they thought it was something a girl should do. Yeah. And and so then it, it just it makes sense that my dad was so supportive of me and, and my brother with with music lessons. Well, that is good. I mean, that's not everyone has that. So it make that it doubles the the. It's already hard to do music, but without support of your family, it's it's doubly hard. Right. Everybody's wondering when you're going to get a job. Right. So. All right, so somehow you got out of Minnesota. Yeah, so when I was six, when I was sixteen, I um, um, Sandy, there's somebody at my door. Can oh. we edit this? Well, yeah, we can edit this. Hey, Mister Edgar, thank you. This is for Susie. I will. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I, I can have all the supplies ready, and we can we can do it. Thank you, Mr. Edgar. Bye. Okay, so I'm sorry, Sandy. That was Mr. Edgar Usselton. He's like 92 years old, and he makes the best pecan pies in the whole world. <laughs> oh, no, we're not editing that part out. This, that's, that's just too good. No, no, that stays. He's, he's, he's also a fiddle player. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> yes, and, and one more thing. He had a guitar that um, legend has it was owned by Kitty Wells, and he sold it to Vince Gill. Oh really? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's not. None of that's getting edited. No, no, that's not happening. Um, uh, one of one of my highlights is I had supper one night with Kitty Wells. Which, oh really? Oh yeah. When was that? It, uh, do what? I'm sorry, I missed that. When was that? Oh, that would have been in the '80s. Uh, she mm -hmm. was playing a place I was playing at, and she was sitting there eating, and I walked myself up and introduced myself and she said sit down and I sit down and talk with her and Johnny her husband who was uh -huh. yeah, Johnny yeah. Wright. yeah Johnny Wright and uh it was it was a fun evening then I was in the band that opened the show for him so mm -hmm. you know we it was it was a fun evening but it is one of one of the things that uh, a lot of people didn't get to meet Kitty Wells or Johnny yeah. so I, right. you know I guess that dates me as an old guy but it was it was it was really cool uh but also, I'll have to throw in here, too, that uh, another reason that I appreciate the guy coming by, being a fiddler, I'm also a fiddler. So, oh, nice. So, it is, um, yeah, I have a soft place in my heart for fiddlers. Bless their hearts. Yeah, I spent a lot of my time at Tommy Gerald's house, if you know who Tommy oh, is. yes, yes, awesome. Tommy was really influ influential on me. Because uh, we both, neither one of us have in, in good intonation. <laughs> Tom, Tommy was a pioneer. Tommy's a great all-time fiddler, you know. And uh, I spent time going to his house and learning how to play with bad intonation. So, just like he did. So, uh, but there again. All right, let's get, let's get back to the real story. <laughs> okay. All right. So, we're leaving Minnesota, I think. Yes, so when I was 16, um, there was an album that came out by the band Lou Reed, Terry Bauckham, in Carolina. It was called Carolina Moon. Yep. And 
they got Jack Toddle, who was the director of the East Tennessee State University Bluegrass Old Time Country Music Program, to do the liner notes for that record because Marcus Smith, the bass player, had been through the program. Okay, yeah. And so I got excited when I saw that I could get credit for playing bluegrass music. And I told my parents, I'm going there. And they said, yeah, right, you're going to go there. That's so far from home. And I was really a homebody. And, and they said, I said, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. And so I finally convinced them, and we made a two-year plan to get me down to East Tennessee State. I did my, my freshman year of college and my senior year of high school together um, at Gustavus Adolphus College and because they, they have a, a program where you can do that in Minnesota right. called post, post-secondary option. And uh, so I got used to being away from home an hour you know, an hour away from home, and right. then I went 24 hours away from home the next year yeah. in nine, in 97, and um, um, it was I was homesick for maybe about a week until I started getting to meet people, and then I was, you know, and then I felt like I had found a new home because well, yeah. I, I was in amongst people that spoke my language. Yeah, that's cool, and, and the fact that it wasn't like you were going to a big city, going to Johnson City, which probably made it a little easier too. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could have done Nashville like right out of college. Oh, yeah, I think that would hard. have been too much for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. That's hard. Nashville's hard. Period. Yeah. Well, to this day, I, I, you know, I, I lived, I, I moved toward Nashville when I graduated from college and took the job with Valerie Smith, and I lived in Nashville for just a few months. And then uh, went to Bell Buckle, Tennessee, because I, I was renting a room from Valerie, and she and her husband moved, and I just moved with them because I didn't know anybody right. at the time. So I rented a room from them for about two years before finding my own place. So, um, so yeah. To the, and to the, now I, I've, I've lived in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and then when my husband and I married, I moved to Manchester, Tennessee. So I'm about an hour out of Nashville, and, yeah. and, and my husband. He'll, he'll say, should we move closer to Nashville? You you go up there an awful lot. and But his work is here in Manchester. And um, and our support network is here. And, you know, this is a pretty good place to raise the kids. And, you know, people move to Nashville, but just as soon as they can, they move out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a paradox. You know, we get there, you have to go there, you have to spend a lot of time there. But just as soon as we can make it work, we're out of here, so... Well, and I, I can see advantages on both sides. It would be better to be in town. I would probably, you know, have more opportunities. Particularly as a songwriter, it. which we're going to talk about. But Well, but you know, I, my work is portable, and I can get to Nashville in an hour. Yeah. And, or I can, I can do, um, now with Zoom and Skype and FaceTime, I, can, I have lots of writing appointments that way. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, that is part of the new world that is... That is really good, and it's and it's mm-hmm. grown doubly during the pandemic too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about songs that you've written for other people too? Sure. Um, so Rhonda Vincent recorded one of mine called "Fishers of Men," and that's probably the most successful of any song I've ever written. And it's so simple. And I just remember writing it, walking across campus at ETSU, and just singing to myself, "Rise and follow me." I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And uh, so Rhonda recorded it on, uh, let's see, I think, what 
was the name of the album? I can see the album cover in my head, and I can't think of the name. She's actually recorded it twice, but so many people have covered it because of, yeah, of her cut, and um, so um, and it's easy for people to catch on to. And it 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 does. It really yeah. does have a. It sticks in your head. Right. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and I, there was a group out of Czechoslovakia or the Czech Republic that recorded that song and they sent me their version of it, which was all in Czech. So I couldn't understand <laughs> it. I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> but I just, I'm, I'm just amazed at how far that song particular, but any of my songs were, where they've wound up and, and, uh, it's such an honor and I'll never get over it. You know, when, when another artist likes your art so much, that they want to make it part of their art. That is just the, the biggest compliment. I agree. That is one of the best things in the music business, I, I feel. Um, do you remember the first time you got one of your songs recorded by someone else? Yeah. So um, the, the first time was, was Becky Schlegel and True Blue. And I was playing with them for a few months right before I went down to East Tennessee State. And I didn't get to play on the recording, but uh, but they recorded a couple of my songs. And then the first national touring act to record one of my songs was, was Mark Newton with the song Charlie Lawson Still. Mm-hmm. And they made that the title cut of the record, too. So, man, what a way to come out of the gate. Oh, yeah, in, I agree. That was in 2001. Yeah, it was also back when uh, royalty checks were still royalty checks. <sighs> yeah, as opposed well, to I these mean, days, yeah. It's always been, you know, nickels and dimes for bluegrass music. True, this is true. Where, where that, all that's concerned. Yeah, I just had uh, Marshall Chapman. Do you know Marshall? You know uh, no. Okay, she's a, she's a Nashville person, but the first song that she wrote and had recorded was in the movie uh, Urban Cowboy. Oh, my and gosh. She was wow. saying that was a life changer for her. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and she said... She had a number one hit that she co-wrote with three people just here recently, and, uh-huh. and that her royalty check from that was well, actually her and Matresa Berg had written the song together, and they stole the idea from a Jill McCorkle book. So they okay. called. So they called her up and said, "Hey, we're going to make you a co-writer because we stole your idea," and it went to number one. And she said that uh, they got like three thousand dollars a piece. Where or the Urban Cowboy one was just huge. Wow. So so it, it, um, it's changed over the years. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but you're right. Poor bluegrass musicians, some of the finest musicians in the world, yet royalty checks, yeah. Yeah, you, you got to do it because you love it. <laughs> well, you got to, you got, you know, you have to, you have to love music to do it, period. I, I there's no way around it. If you're in it for anything but the music, you're gonna be badly disappointed. But absolutely. So, what are you having the works right now? Well, um, making the rounds, talking about the new record. That's right. the main thing, um, and uh, trying to get with the label to start talking about the next album. Right. And have you written a lot during this time? Uh, well, early on in the pandemic, I, I did write a whole lot and I've got to get back to it. I got kind of, I had to side sideline the, um, the writing for a little bit, which I hate to do. I love writing so much and, and I just feel so good when I'm writing, but, um, 
I, I needed to get back to teaching a little bit to help pay the bills sure, here at the house. And, yeah. and, and so I've been doing that a couple days a week and then also, you know, gearing up for the release of this record, you know, and, and I, I, I've needed to, to um, do a lot of interviews and things surrounding that. And then, of course, I have a seven-year-old daughter who needs her mama. <laughs> Right. And that that is my main gig. I'm Romy's mama. That's my that, that's my uh, uh, that's the title I'm the most proud of. Yeah, I understand that totally, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw you were in Owensburg. Um, yes. Well, I can't I can't talk much about that, but uh, be on the lookout okay. for more information about that coming. I think in January. Did oh oh I'd be amazed this year since you how did that happen? For, I mean. How did you do that? I know my listeners were like that. You couldn't go to Raleigh, so. Yeah, so that was all virtual. Um, we had to record our acceptance speeches at home. I actually went to Dark Shadow Recording Studio and recorded mine. And uh, and then nobody knew, you know, they had everybody submit their acceptance speech. And then <laughs> we found out that, you know, the night of the award show, of course, who won. Uh, they filmed the award show uh, at the Ryman. Okay. And I, yeah, I got I did to see be part that, yeah. of that. I, um, uh, Allison Brown, Missy Rains, and I played for the in memoriam part where they they list all the people we've right, lost right. throughout the course of the year. And then um, I got to sit in with special consensus. Uh, Michael Cleveland and I played double fiddles on Chicago Barn Dance. Yeah, that's I got to cool. be part of that too. That was fun. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, yeah, that's uh, also. At some point down the line, didn't you have something with the infamous string dusters that maybe was a went to like a Grammy deal? Yes. So that was uh, the, the string infamous string dusters won the 2018 uh, Bluegrass Grammy, and I had a co-write on there with uh, Jeremy Garrett, and I wrote a, a song called Freedom, and then um, uh, I co-wrote the song The Shaker on the Traveling McCurry self-titled release that won the 2019 Bluegrass Grammy. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is which is another cool thing. I mean. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love, I love writing with Alan Bartram. I wish we could do it more. He's so good. Well, that's, um, well, one of the things I noticed is you co-write, but you do not have a co-writing team. You don't have a team. <laughs> That's big oh, well, these I, days. Yeah, I yeah I have people that I write I co-write with a lot, um, like uh, Rick Lang and uh, John Weisberger. Right. And um, oh gosh. Um, okay, talk my people. Talk my people through a songwriting session like that. I think they're clueless. I think they think it comes in the window. Uh, it kind of does. It does sometimes. I agree. Yeah. Well, um, like Rick Lang and I, we will write via Skype, but sometimes we'll write up at Daywind uh, Music in, um, oh gosh, where is that? Hendersonville, I believe. Okay. Um, it, but see, Rick is from New Hampshire, so he comes into town a few times a year and, and schedules a bunch of writing appointments. So that's really fun to actually be in person writing, uh, but writing on over the computer works too. Yeah, it um, does work too, yeah. But... But yeah, we come into the writing appointment, we get coffee, and we start throwing around ideas. We talk about what's going on in our respective worlds, and sometimes that'll spark an idea, or maybe we'll pull out our list of ideas. I keep a running list on my phone. 
Do, do you, do you have ideas. an instrument that you write with normally? I bring a guitar to the writing sessions, or right. sometimes I'll bring a fiddle. But honestly, I don't like to pick up an instrument too early in the process because right. I find that my fingers follow familiar paths. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's some of the best at writing advice anyone has uh told me during this time that's great well and, and i can't i can't claim that as my own that that's actually from john hartford <laughs> yeah one of my very all-time favorite <laughs> people yeah yeah so i i like to write the song and then figure out what i did and i've actually learned chords because of that because i had to figure out what i did <laughs> well, yeah, what chord will fit here now yeah right yeah yeah i know that's cool i mean that's great that's great I, i'm glad you shared that uh you know, it's, you've had some real enlightening parts. One, one last thing, too, is were you, you know, when you first started getting some success, were you in awe of, of the bluegrass musicians you were around, or did it just flow kind of easy with you? You know what? I'm still in awe of the bluegrass musicians I get to hang around with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would and, be. and I have to. I, I, I have to, I, I, I sometimes have to pull myself back and say, come on, Becky, these are your peers. I, you know, yeah. I have to like, like literally consciously remind me myself of that because I'm such a fan and I have been my whole life. I was thinking about you and Michael Cleveland uh, oh, yeah. fiddling that. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know that I might be too nervous to do that, you know, and I'm not a nervous person. So. And he, he is a monster. I, he, he's, Gosh, he's good. He is so good. He is so good, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's times I just wondered if that, obviously it does not bother or intimidate you at all, so that tells me that you're um, pretty I just confident. Do my, I do my best to not let the intimidation show. Uh, well, you do a good job. I mean, you do a really <laughs> good you. job at it. It's, uh, Thank you. You know, so what else do I need to know, Becky? Oh, man, I don't know. If people can, uh, please check out my website. It's BeckyBuller.com. Buller is spelled just like it sounds. B as in boy, U-L-L-E-R, BeckyBuller.com. And uh, you can get uh, both digital and physical copies of my new record there. And uh, also we've got T-shirts and uh, we've got neck neck gaiters, you know, those, those sure. masks. Mm -hmm. You can get those with our logo on it. That's new on the website. Um and of course, all the music and the bluegrass cookbook is on there. Um, oh yeah, let's talk uh, about that. We didn't talk about that. No, well, yeah. So I'm part of the uh, Cooking with Grass Volume One and Volume Two that was put out by Becky Cantrell, and um, I've got Volume One on the website, and I need to get Volume Two up there as well. So you just contribute a recipe? Yeah. I did. Uh, in the first book, I contributed my grandma's roll recipe and, um, and a pie crust and an apple pie uh, that's so That's so Midwestern. <laughs> that's just... I guess so, yeah. <laughs> that's and great. Then, and then in the second one, I, I contributed my sister-in-law's uh, healthy brownie recipe, uh, I don't... I, which is which makes me laugh because I don't there how can brownies be healthy, exactly but, a healthy brownie. yeah I know yeah. It, but, and then um um 
my uh, a rhubarb recipe from a neighbor of mine growing up in Minnesota. Yeah, Bernice Olson. Yeah. Yep, I saw Midwestern, no doubt. Yeah, rhubarb is very Midwestern, and I I geek out about rhubarb because it's hard to find down here. Yeah, I think it is. I've been trying to grow it. I've I've actually for the last two years I've kept some rhubarb plants alive. So this next season I should be able to use them if they come back. I can use them. That's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it is hard to find. I, I'm a pretty hard gardener, and that's not it, something I've grown. It's it's too warm down here now. Apparently, it used to grow everywhere down here mm-hmm. back when my father-in-law was a kid. Uh, but um, in the 40s and 50s, you could find it. And I've heard you can find it in the mountains. Like, Brooke Aldridge told me that they had it growing up there where she's from. Yeah, they probably did. They, yeah. She lives up there in Ginsengville, which... It doesn't uh-huh. grow anywhere in Rampville. I mean, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah, they grow a lot of stuff up there uh, uh-huh. that doesn't grow anywhere else very well. But, yeah. But uh, I have we covered everything? I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, no, please, once you go to our website, it'll get you to our social media pages, and please check that out because we've got a lot of fun stuff going on on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And um, we've got a special contest that's going to be happening really soon here. I'm not going to say any more about it, uh, but it's going to be fun, and you'll want to take part in it. And so that's going to happen on our Facebook page. But you can get to all of that from BeckyBuller.com. And also there are videos of the band on there. You can get lyrics for my songs. Um, Find out where we're playing, which right now we don't have any show dates on there, but we're booking for 2021 and beyond. And looking forward to being back on the road with everybody. And, um, and and until we can get back on the road, I've been doing live streams. So just check my social pages for those. That sounds good. I only have one last question. Is it hard sure. being a band leader? Is it hard to be a band leader? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, because especially I'm such a people pleaser. I want everybody around me to be happy and having a good time. Um when when people join the band, I always tell them, okay, here's this. I want to make good music with good people for good money, have a good time, and then go home. And that's it. You know, you know I don't want I don't want drama. Yeah. Um, I just I just want to have a good time. And so far, it's been it's been wonderful. And and everybody that has come into the band has done a great job of holding to that. And um, but still, especially like so so you know. Most of my shows canceled for right. this year. There were a couple holdouts and some things that that I had to cancel because of personnel stuff. Because some of my band was willing to go and some of them weren't. Yes, I play in a band like that Got to respect it all, and you know, then trying, you know, trying to find people that I, I was like, well, do I do I plug in players and try to put something together? Well, then how do we rehearse? Where can we rehearse where we can be socially distant enough? Right. To it, it just just it's just been all sorts of decisions that i've had to make and and there's no good answer for any of them <laughs> right now so that drove me kind of crazy i'm sure, uh, I'm in, sure in the last few months but um just trying to take it a day at a time and um i'm looking forward to getting back to picking with the guys i, I think actually, every, i actually think everyone have, is i actually have a band rehearsal tomorrow i appreciate my church is letting me uh, get together with the guys there so we can spread out and yeah. not you know 
not feel like we're on top of each other there. We're just, you know, enough room to be six feet apart and play music. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Trust me, I do understand. And well, it sounds like that possibly you'll come out of this as an even stronger band leader because uh, you've oh, had more so. diff, diff, you know, different problems than anyone's had in the past. So, Yeah, shoo. Oh, my word. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank uh, you, Sandy. I, I appreciate I, you having me. I think that you enlighten the world to the new world of bluegrass. Um, I live in an area where they're pretty familiar with the old world of bluegrass, uh-huh. but it's changed so much. And I think you've been a really good guide into the modern world of it. Well, thank you. So, I, I love it. I love all branches of the bluegrass family tree. Um, can't imagine me doing anything else other than getting to pick and sing. That's wonderful. Again, thank you so much, Becky. Thank you, Sandy. All right. Is your conscience heavy, burdened by the past? Do you wrestle with those demons every night? On it, cause your choices caught up with you at last. My friend, there's just one way to make it right. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Send him slinging back into the shadows. It's time to level. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Mm-hmm. This world is lost in darkness, and evil has its way. Oh, Lucifer keeps walking to and fro. Take the high road to the light of day. There's only one place left for him to go. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Send him slinking back into the shadows. It's time to live. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Shame the devil. You gotta tell the truth and shame. 
devil.